0: Welcome to the Sportsman's Voice podcast, your inside connection to the outdoor legislation. From the beltway to policy happening your way, we're covering it all. I'm your host, Fred Bird. Join us as we explore public land access, wildlife and fisheries management, Second Amendment rights, the triumphs that shape our nation, the sports we all love, and the stories that fuel our passion for the great outdoors. This is the Sportsman's Voice podcast. That's right, this is the Sportsman's Voice Podcast. I am your host, Fred Bird. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get to this week's guest, let us check in on the stories happening across the nation with this week's TSV Roundup. All right, this is your Sportsman's Voice Roundup. A uh, week while we were off, I want to bring to your attention some items. Again, you can always subscribe to this e-publication, guys. You can go to congressionalsportsmanfoundation.org. And then uh, you probably just Google a sportsman's voice and get right to it. And then you can put your information in whatever preferred email, and you can get this stuff every Monday night. So, this is good stuff. So, um, I'm sure you all know while we were away during the break, there was a a great win CSF led that we supported the Hunter Education fix. You guys might have seen. Taylor Schmidt's on our social, announcing that it happened all uh, pretty quick. One day, it was a great effort. So that was, I think in the Senate, a unanimous vote, and um, it was a bipartisan effort protecting Hunting and Inher- Hunting Heritage and Education Act that was HR five one one zero, and again, uh, CSF led the way with uh, with our Congressional Sportsmen's Caucus members, uh, Representative Mark Green and richard hudson so kudos there on the hill that's that's fantastic our csc vice vice chair representative graves his duck stamp modernization act passed the house on a strong vote so good stuff there new jersey uh new jersey has been in a battle if you haven't heard uh for the last handful of years as it pertains to the black bear population the hunt black bears attacking people finally got it squared away so that there is going to be a black bear hunt in new jersey at least until 2028 so there's uh five years of that that's uh that's good news there and a win for sound wildlife management got to manage those populations so that uh grandmas and their dogs and kids and whoever else are not uh not getting ambushed and attacked by by black bears it's just a it's a really manageable situation when when the agencies and and sportsmen and women are allowed to uh, participate as we just talked about uh, as we're getting into rather you will hear in the forthcoming conversation a firearm and ammunition tax passes in california and. At the time, uh, it was waiting the governor's signature. Newsom has since signed that uh, into law. And once we get into the episode with today's guest, you're gonna we're gonna break that whole thing down. Assembly Bill twenty eight and what that looks like, what it means, uh, what does that mean for California, Alabama? We're gonna go to Alabama. There's a proposed uh, bridge routes could impact duck hunting opportunities in Alabama. That's interesting. So the highlights here. Creating and maintaining public access uh, is critical, especially to R3. Therefore, the threat of losing opportunities provided by a specific wildlife management area in Alabama is concerning. The city of Decatur and TTL Inc., the city's consulting firm on the project, released the Tennessee River Bridge Feasibility Study. Uh, You can go back to the September 25th edition of the Sportsman's Voice, and you can click right on that study and, and read more about it. They're accepting comments. Well, they were accepting comments through October 1, so I'm sure we'll get some follow up there. While this is a concerning development uh, for for sportsmen and women, it's important to note that it's in the very uh, beginning of a long and strenuous planning process over the course of several year several years the city will will have to undergo. The project will still have to secure all the necessary permits, conduct a National Environmental Policy Act analysis, and secure funding before even considering construction of the actual bridge. So, heads up in Alabama if you're hearing this. This is the Swan Creek Wildlife Management in north-central Alabama, and it's uh, tipping the scales at uh 8,870 acres uh that's prime wildlife habitat and it's a very popular public land hunting destination and when you know when you start looking around at public land opportunities to to interfere with that across most of this country that's that's impactful and that not in a good way right so many areas there's just not a lot of public land or whatever public land there is it can be crowded at least with near nine thousand acres, you can spread out a bit. But um, you know, keep up with uh what's happening there in Alabama. That's that's an interesting one. And then uh finally, finally, CSF supports Wisconsin wolf management legislation. that was introduced by a caucus co-chair there. Going into it, Senate Bill 139 would require that in its final wolf management plan, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources includes a numeric population goal. Without a population goal, the DNR would be unable to determine the future, whether management practices adopted in its plan have had the intended impacts um, on its already recovered wolf population. CSF did submit written testimony in favor of the bill, which it supported from multiple co-chairs in the Wisconsin Legislative Sportsman's Caucus. More on this, the DNR estimates that Wisconsin is home to roughly 1,100 wolves uh, that range freely into Minnesota and the UP of Michigan. So it's a regional population uh, in total of 4,000 wolves between those areas. The population, which CSF contends, has fully recovered and should be delisted under the active state management uh, will likely to continue to grow beyond what is healthy and what the carrying capacity is for that area. So it's not only not healthy for the wolves, but cattle, elk, deer, and uh, other species that call the badger state home. So it's a, certainly a hot t- button issue where wolves are and where some states where some folks want to reintroduce wolves and. and to another extent, bears. I, I think some of you might have seen, I think Washington State is wanting to reintroduce grizzly bears. So that ought to be an interesting conversation as we go forward with that. But um, again, uh, Northeast, Northwest certainly got some interesting things going on, but all across the country. So again, congressional org. Go there now and uh, subscribe. You get all these updates every Monday night around 5 p.m. Eastern. It's pretty consistent. That's this week's, this episode's TSV roundup. With that, we're going to get into the show. It's a good one. We're talking to Keely Hawkins, our manager in the Northwest, and Bill Gaines, principal at Gaines & We're Again, we're covering Assembly Bill 28 that I mentioned uh, in this TSV roundup. So uh with that, let's get in the show. It'll help the cause. Oh so. perfect. Yeah. So you're uh you're in Hawaii right now. How is the weather? I'm in Maui. Yeah. Oh, very uh, good. Yeah. How's the weather?
1: A little bit windy yesterday, beautiful this morning, but you know how it is anywhere. I guess you know, as the day goes on, it tends to, to get a little bit breezy. But it, it's been absolutely gorgeous.
0: It's about eighty degrees outside. This oh, all week. Right. It's, uh, it's about 80 degrees in New Hampshire, but I suppose that 80 degrees is a little bit different than, uh, Maui 80 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Sitting, on, <laughs> sitting on the beach is a little yeah. bit
1: better with 80 degrees. Yeah.
0: Right on. Well, again, thanks so much for carving the time out, Bill. I know you're, uh, you're on vacation and Keely, I know you're, you're out straight in the Northwest. Um, so let's get to it. Keely Hopkins joins us here on the program. She's our manager for CSF in the Northwest and, and, that We just brought on some new talent, so uh, tell the folks your region, where you're in charge of, and then what you you hone in on, and then we're going to turn it over to Bill Gaines, who's joining us, uh, as I just said, from Hawaii on his vacation, uh, who's the principal of Gaines and & Associates, and and we'll turn it over to Bill here after Keeley gives us a little brief intro of her, of her region. Yeah, thank you,
2: Fred. So I'm based in Portland, Oregon. I am the Western States Manager for CSF, so I am our lead for the 13 states out here in the Pacific region and the Rocky Mountain region. And I also serve as a firearm policy lead for CSF.
0: Right on. No, uh, no shortage of business out there no. and <laughs> advocacy. i <I'm why> not. <laughs> no. uh, Bill, tell us a little bit about Gaines and & Associates and uh, what, what your work does for, uh, for our con- uh, conservation community.
1: I'd be happy to, Fred, and, and uh, you know, Gaines
0: Associates is a,
1: we're a for-profit contract lobbyist firm, but what separates us from the, the thousands of other for-profit contract lobbyists out there is that all we do is represent the uh, wildlife and hunting organizations. That's it. I mean, we stay in our lane. We know that uh, that topic and their issues inside out and sideways. The reason I do what I do is not because... You know, I went to school, majored in poli-sci, loved politics. No, I, I hate all that stuff. I didn't major in poli-sci, but, but I grew up hunting, and I love to hunt and fish. And, and I just kind of morphed into this because I saw that there was a need to uh, to step up and deal with the politics of, of hunting and the politics of our outdoors, especially here in California, where we've got some real rents coming at us. And I've been doing it for, for over 30 years now, and, you know, love what I do, love to to be able to make a difference when it comes to the future of hunting and shooting here in California and beyond.
0: No, that's fantastic. I feel like there's a commonality uh, to what you just said about not really caring so much for the politics, but the love and the passion for what we do. And that leads people like you, people like myself and Keely to, you know, enter this arena and say, okay, uh, we're going to leave it better than we found it, or at least try like heck to to make that. So, and our passions kind of lead us a windy road to it, whether that's willing or unwilling, but either way, here we are. And, and I think we're all working really hard to, for the resource and for our constituency. So that's, I appreciate what you said.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things, especially out here in California, we got 40 million people out here, right? We, we sell about 270,000 hunting licenses, period. That That's one half of 1%. Right? So 99.5% of Californians don't hunt. Right. The overwhelming majority of them live in urban areas. They know nothing about hunting. They don't even know a hunter, so on and so forth. And so getting the rest of our community involved in politics is one of the biggest challenges that we have. I mean, we have made some serious steps in that direction. that direction, Step one being to get at least the hunting groups, you know, you know California deer, Rocky Mountain, National Wild Turkey Federation, SCI, you know, wild sheep. And, and many, many more, at least getting them all on the same page and all in the same room and, and aware of the issues that are out there. So at least with the organizations, we can have a common push regardless of what type of hunting it may be. You know, maybe you don't hunt bears, right? But, you know, I don't care. Maybe you only hunt ducks. But if an issue comes up where they want to ban bear hunting, which we fight pretty much on an annual basis yeah. at everybody needs to be all in on that you know That's the right. entire 275 000 hunting license. they need to be all in on that and a lot of guys and i get it because there is one right but, but a lot of people that hunt they just want to hunt right. they don't want to deal with the politics they just want to hunt but holy smokes fred i mean if, if we're going to protect this for future generations they have got to take the time to weigh in with their legislators and commission wherever the battle may be you know to help fight for what is right for the future of hunting and conservation
0: in California. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, that's why I put the invite out here to talk about, you know, a a bill that was just signed into law by governor Newsom, uh, in assembly bill 28, um, that is adding an additional excise tax to, to firearms. Uh, so I'm going to read the quick, uh, cut here. It's the firearms and ammunition excise tax. It provides, that the Gun Violence Prevention and school, uh, school Safety Act would impose an excise tax in the amount of a certain percent to the gross receipts from the retail sales in the state of a firearm, firearm uh, precursor part, and ammunition. Requires that the revenues collected be deposited in a gun violence prevention and school safety fund, which the bill would establish in the state treasury. Requires the monies to, uh, received in the fund to be used uh, various gun violence prevention, education, research, so on and so forth. Uh, What I want to talk about first is, and Keely, I'll kick it to you, is is a stark uh, difference between what the state of California is doing and then what our community did almost 100 years ago in 1937 when we all raised our hand and say, hey, we can do this and we can do this better uh, by putting this on the back of our community. We want to voluntarily... Uh, implement and put an excise tax on our equipment. That's the Pittman-Robinson 11% excise tax that's levied on firearms, ammunition, hunting equipment, and then followed by Dingle Johnson some years later on angling. But Keely, talk about Pittman-Robinson and give a brief history of that and why that's so different from what we're looking at in AB 28.
2: Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the pittman robertson federal excise tax has been around since. 1937, and it actually existed before that. I think it was started in around 1917, 1919, and that's a federal tax on the sale of firearms and ammunition that is imposed at the manufacturer level, and so I think that's the huge difference between the Pittman-Robertson Act that is also an excise tax, but the state legislative efforts that we're seeing with AB-28 which imposes the tax on the individual and their right to exercise their second amendment.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: very clear differences between the two.
0: And, and so many, many people listening to this <clears throat> outside of our community, if they're finding this program. And, you know, they see something like this and they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, people that are victims of gun violence or, you know, whatever that looks like. This is a noble thing. Yeah, of course, these are the people that make the stuff. They got to be able to pay for it. And I believe I heard uh, when there was a signing ceremony, Governor Newsom called it a sin tax. Um, I don't see anything sinful about recreating, recreational shooting, hunting at all. Um, but the state government has, has deemed it such. And because of that, uh, they're putting that that heavy burden on our community to lift and. While While it's noble to set a fund up like that and take care of people and have some social programs uh, i I come with the opinion that that's probably set up through charity uh through through people with their noble giving and and probably not the wisest move to put it on the backs of our community um you know what what does that what does that do for us? what does that do against us?
1: Well, let, let me add on a little bit, if I may, for to what, what Keely said. I mean, another stark difference between PR and and AB 28 is uh, it was sportsmen that were out in the field. We were the first ones to notice that our habitat was being seriously and quickly degraded, and the wildlife populations were in peril as a result of various things that were happening out there on the open space landscape. We're the ones that took the Pittman Robertson concept, if you will, to Congress. We're the ones that sponsored the bill. We're the ones that lobbied for passage of the bill to self-impose a tax on ourselves, you know, so that that we'd have a reasonable annual funding stream to help pay for habitat restoration enhancements and, and maintenance to try to put back some of the things that not hunters took away, but, but you know, urban growth and other, other activities on the landscape have taken away. So we supported that. We pay that entire tax by ourselves. Shouldn't necessarily have to do that, but we're willing to do that because we benefit greatly from the results. When it comes to AB 28, whole different story. Everybody in California is gonna benefit from programs which, which mediate the impact of illegal gun violence on, on families and communities, right? Why shouldn't everybody pay? I mean, why are people that lawfully buy guns and legally use guns be paying 100 of the of the cost, if you will, of programs which which mediate illegal gun violence? Why don't they pick the the bowling community or something like that? I mean, there's absolutely no nexus between what we do, you know, and and the illegal gun violence out there that is impacting these families and communities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been impacted by illegal gun violence. I had one one of my uncles was actually gunned down in his driveway, mm. right? I mean, but that doesn't mean that that I'm going to say, "Gee, you know, this other community ought to pay for it." Everybody's going to benefit. Everybody should pay for it instead of just picking on on the the lawful, you know, gun using and the hunting community, right? It feels
0: a bit discriminative. It really does. Uh, our <laughs> we are the scapegoats for. For so many, it seems like, and you know, I'm not saying that with any sort of uh, crassness or or spite in my voice, but it's just a fact that we are scapegoated throughout this country, our community, and like you said, we're we're lawful folks. We're out there following the rules. We're not, you know, we're not doing illicit activities. We're we're doing our thing at half an hour before sunup, and you know, whatever your rules are in your state, half hour after or right at sunset. And then we're going home and we're hoping to do it again the next day in a very lawful, respectful and responsible way. So, yeah, I why doesn't everyone else, if they're going to establish these programs, why isn't everyone else uh, throwing into the hat?
1: I I think we support the programs, the program, whatever we can do to mitigate, you know, the the negative impact of illegal gun violence. We're all on board
0: right. with that. We'll pay our fair
1: share, but we shouldn't pay the entire share.
0: Right. And I, that's what I started out with at the beginning of this conversation. These, these are noble uh, and certainly well, well worthwhile programs. But again, putting everything on our shoulders as a community, uh, probably not the, the best way to go about business. You know, it, it just comes across as, as yet
1: another, they can't beat the second amendment or, you know, the, the, the gun control folks can't beat the second amendment, tried and tried and tried. And we continue to beat them in the courts. Right. So this is just another effort in my opinion for them to price us out mm. of the ability to hunt or to buy and, and maintain guns and ammunition.
0: Yeah. Right. So uh, Keely, you know, what is he just started, Bill just started alluding to it. What does this effect have um, on funding? for the state agencies, what effect does this have on the California sporting community?
2: Yeah, well, in addition to just, um, you know, adding this additional cost to an individual for their ability to exercise the second amendment rights, it's also gonna impact our three efforts. You know, California is not alone when it comes to having declining hunter numbers. Um, California, the state agency, along with a lot of nonprofit partners have really prioritized recruiting new hunters And when you add these additional costs, it's just another barrier to entry for hunting in California. Um, But on top of that, the additional cost, it's also going to reduce sales of firearms and ammunition, which through PR will also impact conservation funding in the state. So it's widespread the impact that this will have, unfortunately, in California. Yeah, And not to put
0: you on the spot, but do you know, like, in 2022, what those funds were in California? Bill,
1: do you have that? I do absolutely. You know, we we this year, the current fiscal year in California, we received thirty-five million dollars mm. from from PR. That's significant, right? That's you know, and those monies pay for the lion's share of the uh, the maintenance of California state wildlife areas and open spaces that all public you know appreciate and get to recreate on, including but not limited to hunters.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this seems like a uh, kind of a elementary question maybe for most of our audience and and certainly the three of us but for the people that are new to this and maybe interested take that 35 million dollars away what does california look like
1: i'll take that one i mean it would have a substantial impact on california the state department of fish and wildlife manages over a million acres of land right? it would have a substantial impact not only on the recreational value of that perhaps even more concerning on the wildlife benefits of those lands, right? I mean, we've, we've got an increasingly urban state. I mean, we need to protect these open space and wild areas, and that $35 million goes directly to that use to help
0: the state of California do that for the benefit
1: of all public, not just those that like to hunt
0: and fish. You guys in, in, in areas of that state have a mountain lion problem, <laughs> it, attacking cyclists and trail runners, people out in the suburban areas that need to be managed, right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they outlawed mountain mountain lion hunting in total uh recently here in that state. So not recently,
1: that was thirty years ago. And oh okay, and I thought
0: they revisited that here. There was some hubble hullabaloo about it recently, I thought. Maybe they were trying to establish another season.
1: Well, not to get into the weeds on this, but but they they are doing right now they're already listed as a special status species. That was by a vote of the public mm. thirty plus years ago, right? And, and so, nevertheless, they're, they're going now to try to list them also under the California Endangered Species Act. You know, it's like, they're already protected. Why do you have to list them above mm. and beyond? I mean, the, the, the mountain lions in California are treated like an absolute holy grail. Sure. We've got way too many of them. They're pounding our deer populations. I mean, they need to be managed. They, you know, they're showing up in towns and everything else because their populations just just going nuts. And there's they don't have a natural predator to keep them in check. Right? That's right. So I mean this is where hunting is a critical tool to manage those populations for the benefit of not only mountain lions, but for the other species in the public out there. And we've had that tool ripped away from us, you know, over three decades ago. Yeah.
0: And then, you know, in the, the touristy part, I mean the whole state is a touristy part, but when I think of California as a east coaster, I think of wine country, vineyards. Uh and there's management to be done there because if you don't have wildlife management, if you don't have that habitat management around these focal points of, of tourism, of, of big business as, as it pertains to, uh, you know, the wineries and such, pigs. You guys have a pig problem out there, if I understand? I mean, all sorts of critters getting in there, tearing up these crops without without management. It's so far-reaching, and I, I just, I, I get real... Uh, wound up about a little bit that people don't understand the 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 butterfly effect here. They think that, oh, we just got four percent of the population uh across this country and probably and like you said, even less in California that participate. And your state makes it hard to be a recreational shooter, even more so. And if you take away that population center and you take away that funding mechanism, what are you left with? And you're left with a whole lot of trouble.
2: When we're down in at the Capitol meeting with legislators, those were some of the highlights that we shared with the senators ahead of their floor vote, just really trying to make that tie to the impact that it will have. So even if you're not a recreational shooter yourself or a hunter yourself, understand the benefits that come from the sale of firearms and ammunition. And then also, you know, how California and the ecosystem and the lands benefit from it.
1: You know, Fred, they spun this as if it's going to benefit illegal gun violence in California. This legislation, regardless of how much money it may generate, is going to do nothing to curb illegal firearms violence at all. The right. thing it's going to curb is is you know, the management of our wildlife You're areas right. and other things for PR dollars.
0: And by the nature of the term, the vernacular, illegal firearms, illegal firearms, dot, dot, dot. It's the cliche, it's illegal, because it's not, right? And it's going to continue to be illegal, not following the laws. Criminals don't follow the laws. Stuff coming over the border. Fill in all the blanks. No matter what you do to legislate your way out of it, you're not legislating your way out of it. You're not going to pass enough laws to stop illegal activity, because in and of itself, <laughs> by its nature, it's illegal, right? So, yeah, it's it's enough to make you want to bang your head off the wall.
1: You know, it's frustrating yeah. as we lobbied this bill, because obviously we lobbied do from day one yes. right? as, as it was working its way through the legislature, you know various gun control groups would would pour just pour into these hearings. I mean we were outnumbered 100 to one in these hearings, mm-hmm. you know and, and they'd go up to the microphone and in their testimony and talk about the impact that illegal gun violence has had on their families. I'm sensitive to that. Sure. I get that. But if they're saying we really need these programs because of this and what happened to my family, and the communities, and so on and so forth, why aren't they willing to help pay for it? Why it's easy to say we need a tax to pay for this because, because of that. And, and let's let those guys pay for it over there. It's like if it's if the problem's as bad as it is, and then we have a problem here in California. I mean, they should be willing to work with us to pass legislation that that reasonably taxes everybody equally. Yeah, and I,
0: you know, I can take that argument and then make make and juxtapose it to the same argument about <clears throat> why why the people that don't hunt and fish but like to go outside and ride their bikes, hike mountains, take pictures, bird watch, kayak—they use all the same resources. Uh, they're just not bringing some of the furry critters home to eat them, right? But essentially we're all out there in the same space doing the same thing. But as soon as someone, you know, brings up an idea of, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe we give a bird watching stamp or, or something, just something so that everyone's participating in the system. Oh, we can't have that. That's a burdensome tax. Oh, I see. Okay. Very good. So again, because we self-imposed it so many years ago, that's okay. And <clears throat> we're making, we're funding this whole thing and you can go out there. But when we ask for a little skin in the game, uh, no, 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 we we don't care that much. okay, so you just you just showed your your hand, right? That's all oh. I can get out of it. Right. And the other thing is not
1: just about thirty five million dollars in, in annual revenue to the state out of Pittman Robertson. I mean, you you look at the licenses stamps tags and, and the various things that, that hunters have to purchase to be out in the field, you crunch those numbers and yes. you're bumping up to about $100 million, yes. right? So, I mean, it's a substantial, we pay a substantial portion of the state's effort to maintain wildlife <clears throat> and public trust for everybody in California. This bill is going to have a serious impact on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the economic impacts of our community. We just celebrated National Hunt and Fish Day last month. I mean, you're looking at, what was it, $57 Billion dollars across the country between job creation, economic impact, travel, license sales, funding. I mean, that is no small number. That's that huge, and especially on four percent of the population that hunts fish. Uh, obviously, more in the shooting sports, and then some of that. You know, a lot of that's coming from angling, which is a higher percentage. But still, out of three hundred and almost three hundred forty million human beings in this this part of the world. There's not a whole lot of us buying those hunting and fishing licenses and then <clears throat> even have the, the discretionary funds to go out to a range anymore. Even without these excise taxes, it's super expensive just to go plink some targets or stay, stay reasonably competitive or, or up on your skill set or shooting your handgun or, or your long rifles, whether it's for fun or just maintaining those perishable skills. It's not It's cost prohibitive right now, just as it is. Now we're adding another 11% tax on top of it in California. Right. And so, you know, I over here in my region in New England, um, Massachusetts is seeking to do the same thing. So there's a lot of copycat, I think, stuff popping up. Certainly, you go to California, Massachusetts, this is, you know, landmass, were different. But politics, uh, uh, policy-wise, we're, we're kind of mirror images. And, and they're looking to do the same thing. I want to say, uh, and excuse me for not having the exact number, but I want to say it's maybe double or triple what California did they want to add to the 11% in Massachusetts for the same reasons to fund these well-meaning, noble so- social programs, but hitting us with it.
1: Right. You know, and, and that in fighting this bill, we were aware not only do we need to, to stop this legislation in California, because we're well aware that it passes in California, it's going to rapidly spread eastward. To other yes, states. sir.
0: That's right. And what, what often happens with so many policies, it starts in the West and sweeps right across the country uh, to those, those constituencies that, that tend to agree with this or fall in line with it. Right. I'm not, I don't want to demonize anybody here and that's, I'm not picking on anyone, but you know, bad ideas are bad ideas. And that's what you CSF, that's what we stand to do. We stand to educate and advocate and let people know like, Hey, you're saying this, let me tell you the ramification. Here's that butterfly effect that you may not have considered, you know, in your well-meaningness. So one of the activities that we had
2: in California that, um, our legislative sportsman's caucus hosts each year is a legislative trap shoot. And so the trap shoot this year took place just before um, the Senate vote occurred on AB 28. And we had a bunch of legislators out there for the first time that did not, they weren't aware of the youth shooting sports side of it. And so for them to be able to see that, and I'll let Bill elaborate on this more, but for them to be able to see that And to connect that with the increased costs that these youth and high school shooters are gonna be facing as as a result of the tax, I think was very impactful too. Mm -hmm. So
0: So before Bill gets in that, I wanna put a verbal pin in this because I wanna bring up another piece of legislation here towards the end of the conversation, but go ahead, Bill. Thank you for letting me interrupt.
1: Well, I was just gonna say, good good point, Keely, on on the, uh, the California legislature outdoor sporting caucus trap shoot. We do that every year. Uh, this year and for the past few years, we do have a lot of the youth shooting teams that are out there that day, not only out there shooting, but they're out there, they do the cooking, they do the cleanup. I mean, they're out there participating and, and they wouldn't even let us reimburse it for the cost of food. I mean, mm. that's how supportive these youth shooting teams have been. So we invite the legislature out there, of course, I mean, in California, we've got about 80% of our legislators come from urban districts that know zip about Legal use of firearms. They know zip about trap shooting, skeet shooting, duck hunting, deer hunting, you name it. Or even just, just just shooting out at the range with with your Glock, whatever it may be, right? You know, so that's the intent is to get them out there. They're voting on legislation, writing legislation all the time that that impacts, you know, our use and our ability to to hunt and and buy guns, and they know nothing about the legal use of guns, you know, or the or the long-term tradition of of hunting and shooting in California. So this year we actually had the chair of the assembly. Public Safety Committee, which is a committee that every gun bill, including AB-28, every gun bill has to go through that committee. And 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 Fred, it's so frustrating because the, the Democrats, you know, the urban Democrats have massive majorities on all the committees because they have super majorities in both houses here mm. in California. Right? Every single gun bill for the past several years, it's gone through Assembly Public Safety, regardless of how ridiculous it is, regardless of how hard we lobby to kill it. You know, gets out of that on a public, or on a party line vote. Every single one of them. So this year, the the chair of that committee came out to our shoot. And kudos to him for doing that, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we had so many people out there. We had a little bit of a line to get people <laughs> on the range, which is the kind of problems you like to have. But I was talking to him while he was waiting in line. And he goes, Bill, he goes, in my district, which is deep in, in the heart of L.A., right? He goes, guns are a bad thing. I mean, you know, people that have guns do bad things with them. It's illegal use, and I and I understand that. You get in into the real depths of the urban areas, and that happens, right? He goes, I had no idea about these youth shooting teams, you know, and and the positive impact it's having on 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 firearms and and educating these kids on the safe and sane use of firearms and so on and so forth. He goes, you know what we need? He goes, we need scholarships to help promote these these shooting teams that's what he said and, and so we, we jumped on the opportunity and said let's sit down and let's talk about yeah. that you know and and so we're working on that with them but that's the kind of reaction we want to see from these legislators who are writing bills on a topic that they know zip about right get them out there educate them and and working with the congressional sportsmen's foundation you know the, the annual shoot out here in california is really having a positive impact
0: and that again you know Definitely tooting our horn here, and that's what I like to do is, you know, we're we a nonpartisan organization. And for these very reasons, that you can have reasonable conversations, you can be reasonable human beings and have these interactions. And Just because you don't know about it doesn't make you a bad person. But the fact that that person was willing to come out there, check it out, and then had that epiphany, it's like, wow. And then probably further in this point, imagine with the scholarships, if he could take uh, kids out of his district and send them somewhere where they can start taking away the taboo of firearms, teach them firearm safety, and then let them shoot these things. And all of a sudden the, the mystical part of firearms is probably dispelled and they've, they've learned something. They can take that back to their community. And all of a sudden there's some responsible interest and there's some responsible recreating and that comes with that. Um, I could go down another rabbit hole about the self-defense side of it and their, t- and their state and, and that part of the state that, that per- people are certainly uh, uh, should have the right to do. But uh, I'll save it for another show. But I think that's wonderful. That's a great reaction. And, and, and kudos uh, for that for that man or uh, that individual coming out. That's fantastic. Well, and
2: also to be able to tell them that with each time they pull the trigger... You know, there's however many cents are going back into conservation mm-hmm. funding. so to be able to have that direct tie as you're out there, hearing all the gunshots go off and just knowing that that's all money being generated for conservation efforts.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right. So the next natural question is, now what? This has been signed into law. It is it's it is what it is. What are we expecting for a reaction from our community? Um, what, what are the next steps? Because obviously it, it, we can't it, let this stand.
1: No, absolutely not. It will be challenged. Um, And, and, you know, the the two aid groups, if you will, that we work very, very closely with, they're parts of our hunting and conservation coalition. Their attorneys are already drafting up legislation to challenge this. I mean, you know, there is substantial case law out there that says you cannot tax an enumerated right, right? Mm -hmm. You can't tax something that you have the, the constitutional right to to enjoy
0: right and so quick interruption i want to reiterate this point the difference here is that the state is implementing this versus what our community voluntarily stood up for 100 years ago and said we will do this we are asking for it right so there is a stark difference between these two items please continue no no you're absolutely
1: right with that Fred. i mean the last thing we want to do is is put pr at risk because we're 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 challenging ab28 right. right you know so you're absolutely right on that point um so it'll be challenged the, the bill goes into effect july 1st of 2024 you know and so by the time that bill goes into effect and people start getting impacted if you will yeah. by the uh the negative impacts of, of the passage of ab28 you know those cases will be filed and, and we'll take it from there
0: so is there opportunity for for courts to put an injunction on this and, and you know come the 2024 when it's supposed to go into effect can they put a pause x on that litigate the thing through the courts and then come up with a determination is that how you expect the process to go
1: yeah i mean a lot of the stuff goes off not a lot but but some of these bills you know, as you know go all the way up to the supreme court mm-hmm. you know which which does have some common sense to it at, at this point in time problem is it takes a long time to so get right that there that's the next question.
0: How long does this take? Cause that's what, that's what citizens are going to want to know that don't live and breathe this stuff every day. Like we do what's, what's the end game here and how long is it taking to get to? Right. It can take quite a while for sure, with yeah. the appeals and working its way upward through the court system. And, and I guess for, for our part, you know, you have some of the groups you, you referenced earlier, plus the, the state purse that obviously wants to continue to see this go through. So we have a, Kind of an unfair David Goliath match here, where so many times when we take these up, we have to coordinate together with our different groups, the, the critter groups, you know, the the multi-letter two A groups. Us, we all have to get together and and work together as a single-minded hive, and and pool our resources. And that's not always easy, especially where there's a lot of nonprofits driving the bus here.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things, I mentioned the Hunting and Conservation Coalition we have out here in California. That's one of the things that that coalition, which has been around now for about seven or eight years, has really helped to cement is that partnership between the 2A groups and and the hunting groups. I mean, our our weakest link, if you will, in the past has been our inability as just hunting groups to be able to challenge a lot of these, these bills that are being passed in the courts now with with our strong partnership with these these two a organizations we have the ability to challenge these these mm. uh, issues when they're passed into law and you know what the legislators that that sponsor author these bills if you will and and, and work hard to pass them you know i mean they know darn well that, that these bills are gonna be challenged. They know darn well that they're likely to lose, but that time frame for that process to, to, to go through, I mean, I think what they wanna do is they wanna go back to their constituencies now and say, look at what I did, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing full well that in four or five years, whatever it may be, when they're no longer in the state legislature, right, right. You know, that they're gonna say, all you did is waste a lot of California tax dollars trying yeah. to fight this stuff out.
0: And yeah. even more to that point, the- Five, six years down the road, no one's going to remember this, except us, the ones that are in the fights, logging it out in the trenches, but everyone else has moved on. We, we got well, very short memories. Thing. Go ahead, Keely.
2: Yeah, the bad thing, too, is that meanwhile, while this is working its way through the court system, you'll see it pop up in other states now because we right. saw the headlines of California passing it gives ideas to other state legislatures to also do the same thing, even if it does end up unconstitutional four or five years later. You still may have it pass in a handful of other states, unfortunately, in the meantime.
0: Other variants of this, uh, as we're recording this, uh, this very morning uh, in my state of New Hampshire, uh, there was a, a bill that was introduced earlier this year, came back up, uh, went through the committee that <clears throat> was specific to manufactured uh, firearms, firearms, accessories in the state of New Hampshire, right? So it wasn't like this, this additional excise tax, but they were seeking to remove the excise tax already that, that we've asked for. And I think there's, there's still room in 2023 to educate. There's a point of this to educate our own groups. So you said we've partnered with the two A groups and, and in California, you guys are, are, you know, getting lockstep, but even here, I think there's, there is opportunity that we need to take up and say, hey, if you did this, and I can understand from a firearms manufacturer's point, like our partners at Sig Sauer, right? They are headquartered in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They have their Sig Experience Center right down the street from me in Epping, New Hampshire. It's a beautiful place, but they pump out a lot of firearms and they have military contracts, right? So the stuff they're doing at the manufacturer level is helping support what what we're talking about here today Gotta think some of those folks could use a conversation with us and understand that you know. And it's, it wasn't a sig-driven policy, but some legislators took it up and say, "Hey, if we if we remove this to New Hampshire specific, this is a good thing." Well, we uh, wrote a letter in opposition. I'm happy to report that uh, that that particular bill, uh, forgive me, I believe it's uh, House Bill 512 in New Hampshire, uh, was voted unanimously in to legislate so it's going to sit on the shelf for a while and then hopefully uh never come back so <laughs> but you know again my point is there are different variants of, of legislation in the same in the same family popping up uh with with whether again it's all well intended but it all has ultimately the same effect and that's taken away the funding mechanism for for our great outdoors and our shooting, uh, our shooting sports—you know—so much of that stuff that goes right to shoot houses and um, ranges for people to go out there and, and do their thing. All of a sudden, that stuff disappears.
2: And there's certainly a role that our state legislative sportsmen's caucuses, our advisory councils, our hunting and conservation coalitions can all play to proactively get in front of some of these issues that might start spreading around, you know, hosting these legislative shoots, doing a policy briefing to explain Pittman-Robertson and the role it plays in conservation efforts, and just trying to have some of that education before, you know, it comes down to a specific bill trying to be passed in a state.
0: In our, uh, our final webinar series that we had last month. And we did a summer webinar series throughout the entirety of the summer, one a month. And it was a celebration national hunting fishing day. And we had Ron Regan on uh, executive uh, director of AFWA. And I, you know, I made mention, he, he laughed, I think, because he's, he's entertained this before, but you know, at the very minimum, I think in every hunting digest, whether you're picking it up at the local general store or you're getting the EPUB online, the, as soon as you turn that cover, before the executive director of your fishing games, you know, kind words for the year, there needs to be an explanation of Pittman Robinson and Dingle Johnson and how the funding mechanism works. I know some States do that. I would very much love to see all 50 States do that and and explain to the end user. This is what your dollars go to. This is when you buy this, this is how this all works. And a lot of
2: States, um, the state agencies are, Often, a majority of their funding comes from sportsmen-generated dollars. So I know in some Absolutely. states, that's over ninety percent of their funding is from Pittman-Robertson, along with other license and uh, tag sales. And so that's important information for the public to be aware of. Um, you know, in addition to our state legislators. Yeah, and
0: it's it's that. <clears throat> what, what do we call it here? Uh, and, we, and we call it everywhere. It's a it's a user pay system, right? And, and so many people just don't understand that. I don't know who they think's paying for it <laughs> if if the the they, the ambiguous they has a, an empty uh, bottomless purse they're going into, but no, it's it's very much a small percentage of our population doing the lift. I think
1: I think the general the general public in California just thinks that when it comes to managing our wildlife areas, restoration and enhancement of habitats. Not to mention all the good things that happen on a lot of private lands—tens mm. of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres here in California, whether it comes to managed wetlands, whatever—that are are uh, incentivized just by the ability to hunt those lands, right? Right, right. I mean, right. So they don't understand the role that hunting plays when it comes to to the conservation of our our open spaces. They just assume, they just assume that all that's being paid for by the by the general funds just comes out of their tax right. dollars. Yeah. The overwhelming majority of it doesn't. It comes out of you know our our purchases and our you know stamps and licenses and so forth, like we've talked
0: about. yeah or the preservationist mindset that it's just nature taking care of itself and it all works. <laughs> so I laugh when I hear that, you know pretty soon we'll be left with old growth forests and no no nothing in it just pretty old trees to look at, right? So more education needed <laughs> across this great nation. Um, I want to pull that verbal pin I put uh, in our conversation earlier uh, as we were talking about the youth in California. And a couple of years ago, uh, Assembly Bill 2571 was introduced, and in the nonprofit space, this wreaked havoc. I mean, it wreaked havoc for everybody in California as it pertained to um I guess you know, for lack of a better term, advertising or marketing firearms and ammunition. That's a by way of being attractive to minors. Um, where I was at one of the one of the uh, four letter animal groups, uh, that meant social media could not average, We could not put anything about fundraising events. We couldn't put anything about our youth program events. Nothing mailers. Anything that makes our conservation organizations work and fund them. You couldn't do it, shut it all down. Um, where are we at on, and, and talk more about that because you guys are the residents there and, and know the area very well, but where, what did that do? What has the last couple of years looked look like and where are we at uh, with 2571?
1: I'll let Keeley handle that yeah, one because the Correctional Sportsman Foundation has actually been one of the parties that has helped help fix that problem. So go ahead, Keely. Yeah.
2: Um, so, Fred, as you mentioned, it did cause a lot of serious problems for communication efforts to California. The way it was drafted is it would impose, a, I believe it was $25,000 fine per impression or occurrence of a communication reaching a minor in California. And the language was so broad and so ambiguous that it even extended to nonprofits um, just communicating about lawful youth hunting and lawful youth shooting sports. Um, and it caused so much confusion and concern that a lot of organizations did cease communications that could appear to um, be attractive to a minor. Um, so CSF along with Safari Club International and Sportsman's Alliance filed a federal lawsuit to strike the law down in its entirety on First Amendment, Fifth Amendment, and 14th Amendment grounds. Um, the case is still ongoing. We requested a preliminary injunction against the law going into effect. It was denied by the lower court, but just on towards the end of September, the Ninth Circuit Appellate Court reversed and remanded that decision. So they sided with CSF, with SCI, with Sportsman's Alliance, and send that back to the lower court to reconsider. So some good news coming out of the Ninth Circuit Court, but it's still going to take some time to reach finality on it.
0: I know at some point, was it last year, that some of that communication was overturned, or there was something done that allowed the nonprofit space anyway to continue messaging? Is that I know where I was, we were allowed to start doing it again. We got the the green light. Okay, we can we can go back to letting California members know what, what our organization is doing.
1: Yeah, no, I I can speak to that part. Um this bill, typical gun related bill in California, written by people that don't know the subject matter, you know. So so when A B twenty five seventy one was drafted and it was absolutely rushed to the governor's desk. You're right. And, and so hardly any dialogue at all. I mean, very little opportunity, if any, to to oppose it in committees. It was just jammed through the system, signed into law right before they went on their summer summer recess last year. We reached out to the author right away and said, wait a minute. Do you really know that the ramifications of this legislation, how sweeping they're going to be? Her response was, not my bill. This was the governor's bill. You got to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So We went to the governor's office and sat down with them. And to their credit, they go, oops, that was not our intent to have such a sweeping impact on on the hunting community and and youth hunters and so on and so forth. So they did work with us in a budget trader bill to fix some of the problems that restored the ability for the the, uh, nonprofit groups to continue to do some of the things that they needed to do and wanted to do when it came to reaching out to youth about You know about hunting and shooting so that fixed part of the problem Mm -hmm. didn't fix all of the problem at all that bill as a budget trader bill was signed into law pretty quickly about this time last year right yeah you know and so but from there this is why we need a victory in the courts so we can fix the entire problem not just a band-aid over
0: yeah right and it was like you're right it was fast because i woke up i think i want to say i started getting calls around 11 o'clock at night like it was like someone took a grenade, tossed it in and just let, (laughs) let whatever happened happen. And I want to say New York picked up on it right away too. Again, we're talking about West to East and and New York, they were all over like, yeah, let's do that. And so we were sitting there like, Oh, we, now we can't do this in New York, Uh, which ended up getting worked out again. I don't remember the process at the time, but it, it, it's just this cookie cutter mold. They, They all seem to work together and, put some bad ideas out there. But again, it's, it's the timing, it's the resources that are dedicated to fighting this stuff that we could be funding some of these social programs with or whatever you want to say. These, these funds are best used elsewhere and not litigating in the court system, my opinion. Um, with that, we're getting close to the end here. Closing thoughts, anything uh, coming up in California we should be aware of, Keeley uh, or Bill that's California right <laughs> it's so, always you
1: know, we we talked about ab28 on on this show but I mean there's a slew of gun bills we certainly won't dive into them now but mm-hmm. I mean a slew of other gun bills that hit the governor's desk this year right mm-hmm. you know and and when the the second half of the 2324 legislative session kicks off in early January we'll see more. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's almost a fight to see who can pass the most gun control legislation in the state of California. And unfortunately, with our governor, everything that hits his desk that has anything to do with gun control, he's going to sign it, right? Yeah. I mean, what is, his ambitions are when it comes to running for president or whatever. I mean, he's doing all he can do to grandstand on this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so we'll see more bills, you know, in the coming sessions. This this battle's just not going to end, Fred
0: you gotta think from a outsider's perspective especially during the the pandemic period of our lives were so there was so much emigration out of california different parts and people just got tired of it you got to think with a sizable amount of folks leaving that state from all points of it it's got to communicate something to the legislator to the governor um whether that message is being received is yet to be seen, I guess. Or maybe they're just woefully ignoring it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting about that, yes. I mean, California, I mean, they're bailing out of California. But, but not only just California, I mean, San Francisco, Los right. Angeles, and other places. And, and a lot of the folks that are bailing are people that, that help support and promote a lot of the, the negative legislation that's been passed into law in California. Problem is, they go to places right. like Portland, you know, Seattle, or I whatever. I mean, some, some states that are red states right now, and, and you know. because they don't like what's happened in California, but they take their politics with them. That's right. And, and then they start pushing those types of ideals in other states. It's like, wait a minute, if you didn't like California and you left for reasons A, B, and C – why are you trying to to push those same policies on, on other states? And it just boggles my mind.
0: Yeah, it's a common and fair question. Uh, you know, it's, 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 at least it's what I expect when people come to this country um, to the right way, come into this country and, and, and get citizenship that you assimilate to the area you live in. You assimilate to our, our traditions, our language. That same mentality needs to happen at the state level. If you're leaving, like you just said, because there's bad stuff going on in your state, please leave it where you left it and come to our beautiful states where where we common sense uh, still somewhat remains. <laughs> and and you you came here for a reason. Uh, hang out for a while, learn our ways, learn our traditions, and and assimilate. You'll be okay. An-
1: another frustration, Fred, <laughs> is is again, we have 80%, you know, urban Democrats, you know, controlling our state, overwhelmingly controlling our, our, our state legislature. And, and they're consistently passing legislation, which impacts our rural lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? What if we flipped that? What if what if the legislature was overwhelmingly controlled by rural legislators that, that really didn't know much about urban lifestyles, and we tried to force our rural opinions and 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 ways of life on on the urban areas it would be an absolute train wreck we would never do that but yeah. they do that every day you know when it comes to enforcing you know their policies on on rural lifestyles that have been you know happening for hundreds of years
0: again it just it sounds like if we can have more of the conversations you had in line at that shooting event um we would be in a much better spot because i think there's more reasonable people on on that side of the aisle that if given the opportunity, just like what happened to you, like, oh, this, I had no idea and this and look how great this is. Just got to get, get to them. I know we're trying every day, <laughs> every day. Keely, what's what's, what's coming up? What, what's your parting thoughts here?
2: Well, I was just gonna say that we're very lucky to have an advocate like Bill there in California. It still gives the hunting and conservation community um, you know, that leadership that we need so that we can be engaged in the legislature and, and efforts that are taking place. And so I do just want to thank Bill for all the work that he does. He is definitely instrumental in our advisory council to support our caucus and to put in so much time and work to organize events like the legislative shoot that does make a difference. And so I just want to thank him for all the time that he's put in over the years. And that's what has allowed us to continue to have a seat at the table in some of these discussions during the session. Um, There's certainly some more work to be done. You know, the California Firearms and Ammunition Tax passed by the required two-thirds majority vote in both chambers. And so we do have some education to do there, but we certainly have the passion and the people that want to make that difference. And so it's just going to continue to be a matter of time and involvement.
1: I, I do think, thank you for that, Katie. I, I do think that that we're getting smarter, better, quicker, faster within the, honey. like we talked about, the and Conservation Community. If you look at our track record for the past seven, eight years since that's been in place, including our partnership with the two A groups, I mean, we're killing a heck of a lot of bills that we couldn't have killed 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is that there's a heck of a lot of bills out there to kill, obviously. <laughs> we killed AB28 AB lookalikes five times before ab28 passed i mean so so we're getting and it passed by one vote by the way on the senate floor which was the vote that flipped on us at the last minute Mm -hmm. i mean so that's how close we came to killing this legislation too you know we're getting better but holy smokes, Fred, we gotta even get better and better because
0: it's just Mm -hmm. getting tougher and tougher here in california yeah no doubt and then it's it's not uh california specific but obviously that's our topic for today but um you know, all we can do is is <clears throat> recommend people just, and it's a slog to stay up on this stuff. And but if you care about the future, if you care about your kids' future, and and being able to enjoy what we enjoy now, um, whatever that looks like in your state, you you really owe it to the to your kids and your grandkids to to be involved and understand what's going on. And and it's an effort. Um, everyone that holds a license, uh, hunting, fishing, trapping concealed carry license, you go to the range license. Um you gotta keep up on this stuff. So if you you know if you go to Congressional Sportsman's Foundation or Congressional Sportsman um yeah foundation org you can sign up for email alerts as far as uh our, our sportsman's voice uh ePub at least keep up what's going on in the states but um you know Legiscan that's open to anybody you can Google Legiscan and and, and look up bills in your in your state and i'm not telling you which way to feel about these things but at least know what's going on during the session um know the know the legislators that that are in your district you know at the state level i mean not even at the fed level know who's who's making rules for your backyard it's it's huge and really as as the three of us know it doesn't take but like three phone calls or three upset emails to motivate these people because normally they don't They don't field anything. And so all of a sudden they get three to five phone calls. Whoa, big things are happening and it gets their attention. So, you know, really, you know, people say, well, I'm only one vote. It doesn't matter. Mm -mm, That is wrong. One phone call, one letter. And then a few of your buddies do the same thing. Now we got their attention that I will tell people to do.
1: And I told you one vote does matter. because Yeah, exactly right.
0: On the floor. No, very, very well said,
1: Fred. There's no question about it. I mean, politics is not fun. It's it's ugly. I, I just want to go out in the field. I just want to hunt, you know, but, you know, you've got to take the time if you do care about the future of hunting, you do care about your kids, your grandkids and so forth, their ability to get out there in the field. Take the time to meet your legislator, like you said, get to know them, know the issues, take the time to sit down and pen a letter to them, call them whatever it may be when a tough vote's coming up. I mean that's the only way we're going to be able to protect the future of honey here in mm-hmm. California
0: and beyond. Agreed. Kelly, Absolutely. You, yeah,
2: also, ahead. when you're creating those relationships with your legislators, um, remember to thank them too. Don't just call them when you're upset right. about something and asking mm-hmm. them for something. But if they do meet with you, you know, thank them for the time. If they do cast a vote that um, impacts you and you're appreciative, make sure you reach out to thank them as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to put a bow on this episode, uh, Keely. Bill, thanks so much. Thanks for taking your time uh, out of your vacation, Bill, and joining us. Uh, I, I told you, quick hour it goes by fast, and uh, certainly we could we can continue to do this. But I appreciate the conversation, the time from both of your busy schedules. Uh, Bill, return you to the white sands of, of Maui. Right they're, they are white, so they're not lava volcanic over right, there. Correct. Yeah, very good. Enjoy that. Have a cheers to you on the beach, Keely let you get back to the hard work that's being done in the Northwest.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much, Fred.
0: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Fred. Thanks okay. for the opportunity. Thank you so much uh, to Bill and Keeley for their time. Um, certainly a an interesting time in California uh, to see how this all bears out and, you know, what, what the challenges look like, but you know, the conversation and I, I encourage you all, And it's not just for the downloads. I mean, this is good information. And as we talk about opportunities for education, like that's part of this show's purpose is to put this in front of some people that you know in your life, in your days, at work, family, whatever, that you may have these conversations with, that you, you know, you're sitting there scratching your head. How can you not, how can you not know this? How do you not understand my point of view? Flip them this episode, you know, send them a link. Say, hey, look, listen listen to the Sportsman's Voice podcast. These, these two guests, Keeley and Bill, are awesome on this, at least explaining it, fleshing this out. And, you know, you guys are hearing it. We're not doing this in a super heady way. This is so that anybody that, that hears this, that picks this episode up, can, can digest it. And that's the whole point. We, everybody... Every voting adult, and even the kids to an extent, and it's important to tell these stories of the kids. As we said in the end of the show, you gotta have have some skin in the game. You gotta take a part in the process, at least by having an idea of what's going on, especially when it pertains to the things you're interested in, the things you're about. So, if if you are hunting, fishing, if you're a rec shooter, it would serve you well to to tap into what's happening. At your state capitol with your legislators, with the legislator that's in your district. A simple, hi, how are you? Introductory email, whether you voted for them or not. You know, just letting these folks know I'm very interested in, in learning about what you're doing at the state capitol as it concerns our community. I've noticed, you know, these bills that are coming up. Uh, I have concerns or I have a positive feeling about that. I really hope you get this one over the finish line, and here's why it doesn't take very much to motivate some of these folks just because so many people in the community are just not engaged. And I know we all got our lives and we got so much going on in a 24 hour day, but a little extra effort goes a long way. And and when the phone starts ringing or all of a sudden a half a dozen emails on one topic hits their inbox, it, it gets their attention. And these folks like to get reelected. And if some of them are every two years, you know, they, they got some, some folks to please cause they want to return to it. So anyway, uh, get off my soapbox there. But, um, I, again, I appreciate our guests, uh, Keely and Bill for coming on and, uh, and talking through this, um, obviously work to be done there in California, uh, on these specific bills, as we were talking about, uh, 2571, especially. So, a uh, little wiggle room there on that one. I know um, conservation nonprofits definitely appreciated the relief there, but again, more work to be done. So uh, stay tuned. If there's follow-up, if there's updates, uh, certainly we'll let you know here, but uh, our e-publication of the Sportsman's Voice, I'd probably be your best best one to get to because anything that we've been in touch with, that we've submitted testimony on, that we've testified Uh, at our state capitals on. Uh, We're certainly going to follow up with an article for the TSV, uh, let everybody know where we're at on those things. So that said, that's the end of this show. Again, we're back to regularly scheduled programming. So uh, next week is an off week. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to get some more episodes recorded for you, bring up some of the the stuff that's going on. Uh, Looking forward to uh, talking about what happened down at Capitol Hill with the uh, Hunter Education fix. So we're going to probably do a whole show, uh, dissect that, what happened, uh, why it was problematic, how the whole process worked out, and getting that fix. So I hope to bring uh, Taylor onto the show and bring him to you and and maybe another guest or two about that. But um, certainly want to celebrate the wins where we can. Not everything is uh, is doom and gloom. So uh, that's it. Until next time. Be well. Uh, If your hunting seasons are open, do it right. Be safe. Shoot straight. Get home to your families and and your loved ones. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Sportsman's Voice Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your support is crucial, and you can help us out right now by leaving a review, filling in those five stars where available, sharing this episode with friends and family, and engaging with us socially. CSF can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter. Together, we can protect the outdoor sports we love and continue to keep you informed wherever you are. That's it for this week. Until next time, see you later.